Welcome to the Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce showcasing a member. I'm Todd Rule and I am the Chief Executive Officer. Today we're joined by Lifeline Darling Downs and we're joined in particular by Matthew Gregg and Lib McNaughton. Welcome. G'day. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So we're here um, today with Lifeline Darling Downs um, and we're just going to talk about a range of things um, from their perspective with small business, the importance of collaboration, important work that we've done together over time and are planning hopefully to do into the future. The really important fact now in the current world about practising good mental health um, and we look forward to talking about that in some detail. And uh, what might be new on the horizon, what things we should look out for uh, moving forward in the new normal. So before we get into detail, um, Matt, just explain to me or give us some of your background, um, how long you've been working at um, Lifeline Darling Downs um, and what you think the value of the organisation is to not just a small business but the Toowoomba community. Sure. Well, I've been working at Lifeline now for almost a year but I've been working with Lifeline and uh, the staff here for many, many years. So my background is in uh, community service uh, and I've been doing that for uh, roughly 15 years now. And pretty much the entire time that I've been here in Toowoomba, I have been active as a volunteer, as a staff member uh, within community services. So that's, that's where I come from and, and my focus has always been on the, on the importance of partnership. And I really believe that uh, it's through our partnerships and, and how we collaborate and work together that we can really affect a, enormous change within our communities, not just in Toowoomba, but across the region, across, across the southwest corner, and really right across the nation. So one of the things that, as an example, people might have heard me connected to before is the Loads of Love Appeal. The Loads of Love Appeal is about collecting non-perishable food items and, and cash donations at Christmas time to help those who are doing it tough. And we know Christmas is a really tough time for those things to happen. We've seen incredible success through that and through the partnerships that have been developed. And those partnerships have been partnerships with community service, with Lifeline Darling Downs, with business um, who open up their doors to be collection points. Um, and then uh, beyond that also, other small, smaller and, and larger community groups that have clientele that are needing support. And so collectively, that uh, collaboration and that partnership has actually made an enormous difference to people right across our region, right across the southwest Queensland area. And I guess the, 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 that's the value that Lifeline Darling Downs has for our community is the power of partnership and how partnership can bring about considerable change um, within the lives of people who uh, are affected positively by it, but also change within our community at large. One of the best things about partnership that I see is how it, it's a win-win-win it's a for everyone involved. Often partnerships or business deals is, um, is about trying to get the upper hand on, on somebody. And, and that's all part of the competitive nature of business. And that's fine. Except when we are talking about a not-for-profit organization like our own, a charity like our own, and then the partnerships that we develop, that's actually all about the community win. Yep. 
there's got to be a win for everybody. What's our values in this? We want to see people helped. We want to see people supported. We want to see the businesses involved get a win for themselves. But we also, all of us collectively, want to see the community have a win as well. And that is what one of the most important things that we do as an organisation is not just help people and not just provide welfare or charity or supports on those levels, but it's about how we partner with individuals for them to be empowered, but also partner with communities and businesses to see communities strengthened and empowered to, to be all that they're meant to be. Well, Matt, there's a couple um, interesting things that I will come back to, but just some questions on notice for you. Um, the Chamber has always said in more recent times, uh, well, probably in my time, I should say, in more recent times, this uh, the new normal is really about going to be about more collaboration and more partnerships than ever before because we've seen this community come together. And I just want you to think about what that new normal collaboration looks like for Lifeline and also the major disruption. You talk about the impacts on Christmas. What has been the impacts of the community and how has the business community really opened themselves up during that time? So there's a couple of questions on that, but we have to go to Lib. Uh, welcome, Lib, to the, to the show today. So could you want to give uh, our listeners a bit of your background and um, also your role in Lifeline? And we'll have a chat about, as we move forward, about those things that we discussed about mental health and its importance um, for productivity and a whole range of other issues. So welcome, Lib. Thanks, Tell Todd. us a bit about yourself. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm a registered general and mental health nurse and proudly trained at Toowoomba Base Hospital and Bailey Henderson. Back in the day, so a very long time ago, and I've had lots of different experiences in and out of mental health at um, forensics and in prisons and police and at Bailey itself, and more recently in training education across the past fifteen to twenty years in mental health. My role in Lifeline is as a community development facilitator with the Community Connections Program, which is a PHN-funded program for drought-affected communities across the Darling Downs, so not just Toowoomba region, but across the whole of the Downs footprint. We are funded to work with communities to strengthen emotional and social wellbeing, so to give uh, individuals, businesses, primary producers skills to be able to support others during drought-affected times because whilst we've had COVID-19 thrust upon us, drought's still there. So what COVID-19 did though was actually really prove to us that what we were doing was what was needed in the community. So it's based on community need. We don't take a product to community and say this is what you have to have. We ask them what they want and we find a resource that's going to suit them. So that's what our program does. In that space we've actually formed some interesting partnerships with um, organisations such as TSBE, uh, Robertson and Scannell, a local company, um, we're doing a project with them at the moment. One of the most common uh, issues that we've identified over the past 14 months is that individuals, especially across the region, are experiencing uh, financial difficulties and that money issues are their, their biggest problem. So we've partnered with Robertson and Scannell in one of our projects to provide a series of free webinars about um, solving com- common business problems. So that's just one of the things we're doing. We're also providing training around um, accidental counsellor, suicide prevention, doing workshops around just managing stress and just basic, take things back to the basics about preventative mental health. So that's what we do. So what is so what have you seen um, or what you can talk about on the ground in terms of sort of mental health issues in businesses and in the community generally? What have you what are your observations? 
my observations have been that um, people are really quite resilient and they do support each other in their, in their own communities. So this is basically boosting those those skills in, in, in individuals that, that do support others. So we've got lots and lots of volunteer workforces across our region that support other people. So it's just supporting them in their skills. So, for instance, we did a, a workshop, a series of workshops with Hope Horizons with their volunteer workforce to help support them when they're doing telephone counselling to their clients because they can't visit them or see them at the centre. They will be soon, but over the, the period that we will shut down. And it's not about making things complicated. It's about keeping it quite simple and, you know, developing resources that they can use themselves as individuals or as workplaces or as businesses and about um, just checking in with each other and about having conversations. And most of the time people just want someone to listen to them. That's bottom line. Well, I was um, probably um, five, six years ago one of those uh, males in society who thought, you know, it wasn't uh, – good to be vulnerable or to open up to tell people what I feel and what I need, not that we always get the response that we need. Um, have you seen any shifts in particular men's or mental health generally about um, people willing to open up and talk about their challenges, their issues, um, their tests that they're facing? Yeah, some do. Some don't. Everyone deals with it very differently. And that's what we've got to remember is everyone deals with mental health issues. Or, and the bottom line for mental health issues is stress and how we adapt to stress. So that's the bottom line. Um, and everyone deals with it very differently. So some people are quite happy to open up about what their issues are and others don't. And sometimes, and I'm not going to pigeonhole men, but sometimes people check in on each other inadvertently. So they might say, I'm just going to go down the road and have a coffee with my mate at the next property or just see how he's going with his planting or something like that. Um, so that might not be an open and... and an advertent conversation, but it's a, just a, ge- a gentle way of, of checking in on other people, and that's what we encourage. Lib, it seems to me that sometimes the one of the the reasons that people don't share um, about you know their their own feelings and and we say broadly mental health, they don't share about those negative experiences or negative feelings that they're having, is that there is a, a real stigma around stress. You know, stress equals bad, and I think I've heard you say before, well. Stress isn't always bad. It's it's not always a bad thing for us, but it's more about how we approach it and how we deal with it, um, as to as to how it affects us. Is that right? Very much so. Um, it's, there's a, a thing. It's called eustress, eu stress, and it's positive stress. So it's the stress you experience when you're getting married or about to have a baby or get a promotion at work. So it's a, it's a positive stress. So. The stress we're talking about is the stress that comes from a negative place. This is the stress that causes you that fight or flight, that natural reaction in your body. You can't control that. So you have to learn how to try and monitor it yourself and identify when you yourself are being stressed. And if you're supporting other people, you need to be able to identify when other people are being stressed. So if you notice just a change in someone, they haven't been the way that they usually are when you see them, that can indicate that they're undergoing a stressful situation. It doesn't always have to be someone freaking out. It might just be a little change. I like what you said before about, you know, the the inadvertent catch-ups with people and checking in. So, for instance, you know, if I walk across the road, because at the moment we're fortunate enough to live across the road from each other in terms of our workplaces, I can walk across the road, I can see Todd and say, I'll just kind of drop in and have a cup of coffee with Todd. If I notice that he's you know, freaking out, he's bugging out at the moment and I'm just like, oh, I haven't seen Todd like this before. 
I've never <laughs> seen that. It hasn't happened yet. Only a couple of times, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question that I have then is, well, I see that happening, but as an individual, I want to be a friend, I want to be a mate, but often we're too polite to say what's going on. What, what do I do? How, what's one of the best ways for me, do you think, to be able to help Todd, you know, identify that for himself and then help him work through those things? Just ask how you're going. Well, you didn't have to make it quite so simple. It is. Just ask <laughs> how, how are you going? Are you how are you okay, going? You don't, seem to, you don't seem your usual cheerf, cheerful self. Try not to use close questions though because if you say, are you okay, they can say yes or no and that's the end of the conversation. So you, you need to ask questions like how are you doing? How are you going? So it forces a person to have more of a response than just yes or no. That's right, that's and it, it opens up that conversation. Now some people are just going to say I'm fine and that will be the end of it. So it depends on your relationship with that person as well. It's going to be very dependent on that and how well you know that person. Fine's not a feeling word, is it? No, it's no, not. No, it's not. So, um, so how how you how would you explore that? You know how people feel. I mean, that's that's one of the most difficult things that I struggled with till I was able to work through. Because I say, if you if I've got a cold, I'd go see a doctor. So if I'm not feeling that great in in the head, then go see a therapist or a friend or someone just to talk about that. So how, how do you have those open questions, Lib, to get the feeling words out or the, the needs of an individual? I suppose it takes a little bit of practice. Yep. It's not something that comes always very naturally to people. Yeah. So it does take a little bit of practice about using open-ended questions. So are you okay is a yes or no question. How are you going requires that person to put a little bit more description in it. It's going to be very dependent on your relationship with that person. Because you're not always going to be able to have that conversation with someone in a workplace, depending on your relationship. So that's where you would encourage people in in a workplace, especially if you're a supervisor, to utilise something as like uh, employee assistance programs or external counselling sources. So you want those sorts of backups for for business um, and organisations to have for their employees. We at Lifeline have EAP. It seems to me that we also, when we're asking those questions, because you can ask, "Are you okay?" Yeah. But it could be insincere. It could be a checkbox, yeah. uh, and and that's and I should say not to not to downplay the are you okay day or that whole function because there's 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 some real value in that and that's brilliant. But again, I think that even the people who who run that uh, campaign would also say, well, you got to mean it. You know, it's got to be you got to be congruent in the sense that I actually care enough about this person to want to know. It's not simply a question to say, are you okay? I'm fine. Oh, yeah, great. See you later, mate. Here's your coffee and walk away. It's got to be – it actually has to be something that you mean and that sincerity of the question matters a great deal, I think, or at least in my experience it's been how sincere my question is and how much I mean it also determines how sincere and how deep the answer will be, no matter how um, strong my relationship is with a person, that if I don't really mean what I'm asking, they'll know it and they won't necessarily answer me in a way that, that, um, that's truthful um, to the way that they're feeling. It needs to be genuine and you need to be in a good headspace yourself to ask that question. Yeah. It's no good entering down that path of having conversation with, with someone who might be stressed or is not coping with something if you are not in your good place yourself. So you need to check in on those things before you launch into those conversations. Otherwise, they can go quite pear-shaped. 
say yes to local support small business chambers top tips buy from your local shops cafes and restaurants to keep locals in jobs ask your local store if they can deliver to your door pay with plastic when possible not cash stock up on gift certificates for later post about your visit on social media and share their posts check in with small business owners and employees look for local retailers with an online platform or help a local shop develop one and most importantly be kind support each other and look out for one another let's keep it local to Woomba. So we've seen the multiple reports now from productivity commissions and the like about the millions of dollars of impact um, on business and on the, on communities um, as a result of not having the best probably mental health programs um, in place in workforces. Um, does Lifeline offer those to small businesses, those types of services to go and actually provide support to develop programs to small businesses? Our, our program, could that could fit quite nicely into our program. We tailor-make workshops to do for individual organisations, businesses across our footprint Um, and we've just been funded for another 12 months so that we can continue work with our communities. So we we can do that with businesses quite easily. That's that's something that they would need. So let's just um, touch on some, I think, some other very important points that Lib raised. So sometimes we forget because we've been so consumed by the current major disruption to our world. This community... There was bushfires and drought, right? So it's, it's, it's the trifecta here. And I agree, what we've seen in small businesses is pure resilience to stand up, to get up, to go to work. So with not just one, but probably three major disruptions that this region and this community has faced in the last, you know, 12 months or so, Matt, what is, let's go back to that question about partnerships and collaboration, about what you see how Lifeline and small business or business generally work together to support the community. Yeah, absolutely. So just picking up from where you were talking then, we have had some significant, I guess, natural disasters and and issues that we've had to experience as a community over the last 12 months. But even beyond that, you know, we've had near a decade of drought conditions which have been compounding over time and then it got topped off with fires and then in some places floods as well and there are a lot of people that had a triple whammy already and then you got COVID-19 and and effectively a economic shutdown which has really you know devastated some communities and really hurt people so you are seeing lots and lots of uh, disadvantage where sometimes you wouldn't have seen it beforehand and you're seeing people displaying, you know, the symptoms, I suppose you might call it, of stress and anxiety and, and um, you know, emerging uh, mental health conditions where perhaps you might not have seen that before. So where they were, were low level and, and easily managed, people are really peaking now. So now more than ever, it's important that we are looking at how we pool our resources, work together to find solutions. I do point to, uh, I guess, a collaboration that we're seeing right now, which is with Robertson Scannell and Lifeline Darling Downs to bring those the, that uh, webinar about, you know, common business uh, problems. So we're trying to find solutions for those, but we're, we're presenting that in a collaborative way so that we can actually talk about how we deal positively with those issues of mental health as they arise. And I think that that's really important. So things like that are great ways to collaborate. And, it, and that's just us bringing our expertise together with the expertise of another company, even the Chamber of Commerce, like we're doing right now, and then having genuine, honest conversations about, well, how does that play out in real life? Because it's easy to talk theory 
and it's easy to talk and talk and talk about these things. But when you start to put your legs on the ground, when you start to put boots on the ground and say, well, what do we do about that? So now I've got a person in front of me um, as, as a manager or a CEO or whatever the case might be, who's just literally saying, I can't come to work anymore. I simply can't function at all. I can't even do it at home. But they're a critical employee. They're essential to the business. How do I deal with that? But in a way that's healthy for them, healthy for the business. These are issues that some people have never dealt with before and and they're really hard to tackle. So I think that in those kinds of circumstances, one of the best collaborations we can have is simply bringing the resources together. And that's where Libba's and her team have been brilliant and and just being available to talk about those issues, to uh, do presentations uh, within the community, to talk about how do we deal with mental health uh, positively in the workplace, positively within our broader community and training people up so that they can actually be champions and coaches for others in their community to help them find the supports that they need when they need them. And I think that that's probably something that you can speak into a bit more there, can't you, Lib? Yeah. Um, And we will go to Lib because the stresses, the day-to-day stresses you would have seen as a result of just these these major disruptions. But I think often we forget about the day-to-day stresses of just opening a business to being brave enough for... Um, mum and dads um, to follow their dreams, to open a business, to get the approvals, to go through the reg- regulations, to open the door, to get cash flow, like where's the next dollar come in? That within itself is is very stressful and those people are very brave. So Liv, following on, what, what are some of those broader stresses you're seeing day to day and a result of all these other disruptions that you're you're working with businesses to address? So what we've seen across our region, we've got statistics to back this up, is that the number one cause of stress for our community members across the Darling Downs is financial issues. And that was prior to COVID-19. So that was, these are stats from last year. And many of those are drought related. But, you know, there would also be some um, that are business related in some of our towns in the West, for instance, because of the mining booms that came and went and things like that. Can you guess what the second greatest stressor is for our individuals in our communities? I can't. Uh, Matt, do you know? You know. Do you know? No. Partners. Is that right? Relationships. The third one? Kids. Kids. Fourth one? Parents. So in that order, they're the stresses that are uh, facing our people and our communities across our, our region. But you don't sort of rank them in any particular order, but the financial one is, is, is going to far outweigh the others at the moment, followed by relationships because of the strain that relationships are facing when people are under stress especially if they have a small business and it's not doing as well as they would have liked it to or if they had to shut down over the, the COVID period or they were pre-COVID um, struggling because of drought because people didn't, didn't have any money to spend in the small businesses. So they've been doing this tough for a long time. So, so really you could sum that up and say that within their top five stresses is finance and relationships. That's pretty much where it lies at the moment. That's extraordinary. Pre-COVID and even more so post-COVID. And, I would and that's, say. That's, it, that's impacted by or compounded by the, the disasters that we've seen, like drought, like fire, whatever. So that's all impacted on that, but, but people are identifying the stress not so much being the disaster or the, the external circumstance, but how that then changes the relationship or changes their relationship with finance or whatever the case might be. Exactly. Yeah, and this is um, this is why we thought it was important to have a chat with an organisation like yourselves because as an advocate for small business, we are worried that post 
stimulus packages, what will happen to our small business community, which actually then impacts on what happens to our community. So this is why we thought it was really important that the broader business community understand the work that you're doing and that you're here to do that. Because I think, well, I am worried, I don't think, I am worried about the impacts as we move into this uh, third quarter of this uh, year and towards the end of the year. So how do, how do people access your programs? Is it just Ring Matt or ULIB or h- how can people make sure that we want to make sure they're available? We know you offer them. So how can they access them? So the best way is to jump on our website, our new website. It's pretty nice to use. All the information about all our programs that Lifeline offer, including other services such as general counselling, financial counselling, those sorts of things. All the information's on the website, including the community connections information, and you just need to call the 1300 number and someone will put you through to some assistance Absolutely. about whatever you want. So that's 1300 991 443. But just, just coming back to the to the website, one of the good things about our website is that there's lots and lots of information on there about what we do, how we do it, but there's also self-referral forms. So um, an individual can can get onto our website, they can fill out a referral form for themselves and say, look, I'm needing some support. So we can we can work with people on pretty much any level. So if you're not willing to call up or you, you don't have the money to call up or you're not comfortable to do that, then you can email us, you can contact us on that level as well, and we can have someone call you back. Uh, but there's also ways for other organisations that have people who are in need and they're not able to, to manage those needs themselves. Uh, they can work with us, uh, be it uh, another not-for-profit or whatever, to to work with them, partner up and support the clients as as required. Um, something just to note with what you're saying, I was really interested, you're talking about this idea that uh, the third quarter, you know, uh, coming into Christmas, it's going to be really tough and what have you. And we, we think that that's probably quite likely. If you have a look at the trends, and this is not even necessarily, you know, getting too deep into our own statistics and what we've seen happen, we have seen a, a rise in requests of people needing support. We do have more people needing emergency relief and, and, you know, support with food and other things like that. But to be honest with you, it's not been as pronounced as what we would have expected it to have been. But we can put that down to a number of things, and that's a lot of uh, stimulus through the job keeper, job seeker, uh, plus also people have had early access to superannuation and a whole bunch of other things. So there's a lot of stuff that's happened where it's kind of buffered things out for people, which is really, really good. And and that's been really positive on that level. However, one of the things that we do have, I guess, some concern about, some reservations about is just what happens when those things cut off. And there seems to be at this point in time a, a hard line, a cliff uh, as it were, and at that point, will we see a really pronounced, a really large rise in people who are needing support? It's impossible to say whether we will or we won't, but it is something that we're preparing ourselves for. It suggests also one of the things that we've seen really powerful in um, response to that. So this is not in the counselling and the funded programs and other things, but um, we recently ran an appeal called the Share the Warmth Appeal. I know Chamber of Commerce got involved and a whole bunch of others did. We did a, uh, a week, which is called Share the Warmth Week. And um, we saw lots of companies get involved and just have a bit of fun with each other. Again, it's that, that's a good thing in terms of positive approach to mental health. It's just having some fun. Uh, TAFE Queensland, uh, Jenny Butler from TAFE Queensland, she uh, dressed up in a penguin suit and a, uh, a sheep suit and walked around the, the campus and, and had some fun with the students and the staff. 
But all in all, the, the what happened there is we also had LJ Hooker who provided $2,500 where they said, look, we'll match giving dollar for dollar up to $2,500 uh, during this week. So when we went about providing this this opportunity for people to be generous, people went out of their way just to have fun, get involved, but then others to also be generous to the point where we've, we've now been able to smash our target and that funding will actually go towards helping to purchase new items and to offset the cost of the emergency relief that's going towards people. And we can add that together with the donations that we receive of clothing and other things, which those things come free of charge to us and we can then give them away free of charge to those who need them as well. So when we put it all together, it's actually the the collaborative process that's happened with businesses getting involved in those things and just doing what they can. That's one of the the important things about this is it's not about doing everything because none of us can do everything, but we can all do something. And that little something that each of us has to give as a business, as an individual, as a family, that's the stuff that makes the difference. It's just doing what you can when you can. Yeah, I think you touched on some very important points, yeah. So the Chamber and the small business community are very collaborative and supportive of the of community groups and the like, as you know, right? So, you know, if you go to a local football team, they're supported generally by a, some small business. We know, you know, that 98% of businesses are small um, and that 50%, an estimated 50% of our workforce in the region works in a small business. So to advocate for them and to look after them. And we don't want to see that cliff either, but we want we want to make sure um, our small businesses are prepared and working with organisations like yourself is just one way that hopefully we can get them more prepared and, as Lib said, totally resilient. And what we've seen, it's it's quite amazing to me. The other thing I must give a quick shout-out, uh, Maddie, is uh, Jenny Butler is a great board member of the Toowoomba Chamber of Commerce. She is um, doing an excellent job, so um, a big shout-out to Jenny. It's been great talking to you. Now, I want to just leave me with something inspirational give me something if you had one message to the small business community if you had one message for the community generally what would you say Lib? Um, I would say that our community connections program here at Lifeline is a really quite flexible program we have a lot of scope in the work that we do as indicated by the sorts of projects we have going if anyone in the chamber any small business or individual in the community wants um, some support around managing stress in their workplace we're happy to tailor make workshops, go and visit. Just if even it's just individuals, we'll go and see them and help them work out a plan for managing better with their emotional um, well-being. Thanks, Lib. And Matt, give me some words of inspiration. We've had a chamber and Lifeline have had a long-standing relationship, which, in my observations, has been a very rewarding one. So, what would you say to listeners today? We're all in this together. None of us are a part of a community by ourselves. We all need to play our part. And in the same way that many people and many organisations, many companies need Lifeline Darling Downs to play its part, we need you to play yours. And we need to work well together. All I'd say is just keep doing a good job because you can only do what you can do and don't stop doing that. As you see that there's opportunity for us to be able to work with you and you to be able to work with us on whatever level it is, simply reach out. Don't be silent. Don't sit there and think that you're in this alone because you're not. We are genuinely in this together. And no matter what comes next, we'll be able to weather the storm. We'll be able to come out on the other side doing well and excelling 
as a stronger community and each of us more, uh, more likely to reach our potential simply because we've been participating with each other through the journey. So I'd simply say, you're not in this alone. We're in this together and we're here for you as much as you're here for us. Thanks, man. I think that's a very good point. Like collectively, the Chamber wants small businesses to survive and thrive. We want the community to survive and thrive. So I think it's really important that we do just stop and check in with each other from time to time, touch someone on the shoulder, say hello, ask if you're okay, ask if there's anything assistance we could because we just got to ask for help. So it's been a pleasure having Lifeline Darling Downs with us this morning. So can I say a big thank you to Lib. Thanks for your insightful thoughts about mental health and its importance in small business or business and the community generally and what we can work collectively together to manage. And thanks, Matt. The longstanding relationship with Lifeline Darling Downs and the Chamber is truly one that we appreciate and are grateful for. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.